All right. Everybody, welcome back to the Make the Grade podcast. Your host, Steve Green. You know why we're here? To provide you, parents, entrepreneurs, with actions you can take to help you accelerate your path to success. I got an awesome guest today who is going to encapsulate a lot of these great ideas. I want to introduce him right away. Alex, Alex Oliveri, hope I'm saying it right. Um, welcome. Hola. <laughs> Whatever you say. Here's the thing. Alex is a native from Brazil. Okay. Moved to Florida as a young uh, person. Lived there the rest of his life. Here's what's really more important. He's a successful entrepreneur, has a consulting and coaching business. He can tell us more about that. But guess what he also does? He homeschools four children. Cuatro niños. <laughs> I know a little Spanish. I don't know any Portuguese, but hopefully it's the same. Um, so th- I think that's going to be really interesting, uh, learning about his homeschooling experience, things like that. So we got really the, everything I love to talk about here. Successful business people, entrepreneurial spirit, school, education, academics. So without any further ado, Alex, welcome officially. Welcome to the Make the Great Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. And thanks for having me. And, All right. And, and- so let, let, let's uh, let's talk about the homeschooling piece. Okay. okay. Um, I know a lot of people that homeschool. I know a lot of them listen to this. I'm hoping they're saying, wow, it's going to be great. Can't wait to hear it. Um, but one thing they find sometimes is they get into it and they realize it's a lot of work. It can be time consuming. There's oversight as a parent. It's not the day, you know, the days of kind of taking your kid to the zoo to learn about animals aren't happening as much as they used to. So How'd you get into homeschooling? You got four kids. What's their age range? Uh, sure. Just paint the picture for us. All right. Let's paint the picture then. So we've got four, you know, t- three boys, one girl. Uh, my, I've got a two-year-old, a six-year-old, a nine, and an 11. So two are in elementary, one in middle school, and the other one just disrupts everything, the two-year-old Phoenix. Uh, but we have a, a really great time together, you know, and I think that the number one reason for us doing homeschool was spend more time together. Also safety, Stephen, you know, when, when we really decided to do homeschool was two for two reasons. A, we had moved up to Brevard County up here by the space coast, a lot slower pace. Number one reason we say, Hey, we like to travel. Let's buy an RV. Then this will give us sort of the, um, the, the, the flexibility and freedom. Okay. That was number one. But the other reason was at the, uh, in that year, um, Marjorie Stone Douglas had happened. Okay. And we live about Mm. five miles from Coral Springs, Parkland. Okay. And that impacted the community in a big way. You know, I mean, I remember exactly what I was doing that day, you know, and, and it's just, it got us thinking that school, public school, private school, any schools, they're just not as safe as it used to be, you know? And so we said, well, listen, how can we change that? And let's embark on this. And if, if the kids are not thriving, and we have to be unbiased, you know, have the third party mm-hmm. people come in and say, hey, the kids are thriving. If they're not thriving, then we're going to kill that in year one. And if they are thriving, then that's like check. And then the second thing is like, if we don't lose our heads, then check, then we can continue. <laughs> we continued and we're in year four. So there's a lot, you got a lot there. So let's, let's start at the end. You're thriving. You're keeping your sanity. I assume it means you and your your wife. Yes, me and my wife. Yeah. Okay. I know. Yeah. If anybody else involved in your education, sure. Um, well, some people do actually. I mean, a little bit older. I, I actually do a lot of homeschool education, but more like high school age kids. But it's not about me. Um, I just want to touch on that the safety issue. 
Um, yeah, for those of you who may not know, uh, uh, Parkland was a high school in South Florida. Um, unfortunately, they had a, a shooting by one of the students, right? Like a kid who was a student, uh, you know, came in with some guns and whatever and, and shot the place up. And I don't know what the casualty count was, but um, you know, any, any one injury was bad. Um, and, you know, obviously that, that kind of thing, especially in a tight knit community, it can be really tough. Um, but it had obviously had an impact on you uh, personally. Um, it, it, so what intrigues me, and, and that, you know, that's a shame, and let's hope that never happens again. But the RV thing really intrigues me. So you bought an RV, mm-hmm. packed everybody in the RV, you're driving around wherever. How long, how long were you in the RV? Well, so we moved up here and immediately got the RV. So, no, we were living in the house, but we said, hey, what we're going to do is go out every other week as often as we can go down to the Everglades, go down to North Florida, Georgia, and we're going to incorporate the RV and the travel into the homeschool. Well, that, let me just tell you, didn't really work that well because <laughs> running, running a business and doing that is very difficult. So we said, Hey, that's okay. You know, but we still have the freedom to some months accelerate the learning and, and all the work, both in the business side, as well as the education, and then say, let's take two weeks off and get in the road. And we'll still do, do some work, but it's not as heavy because for me, Stephen, running business, it's, it, it was really hard to adapt to working from home when we moved up here. So I, I had an office forever. Mm-hmm. And um, it, for, for some people like working from home, at that time I did. And I was very anti-work from home. I love the office, the culture, the camaraderie, the travel, the conferences. And then coming into when we moved to Brevard, working from home was making me crazy. And um, and then when you top that off with the homeschool, the homeschool was actually a piece of cake. I took longer to adapt to working from home. So. So what would you say, in your opinion, is the biggest benefit of homeschooling your kids? I mean, you talked about keep being togetherness. So there's a, 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 you know, a bonding piece, but, um, and safety, mm-hmm. um, but from, from an academic standpoint, do you feel it's, it's working out the way you wanted it to? Absolutely. And because instead of someone at some office down and, you know, sort of an organizational structure, creating a curriculum that is a one size fits all, which is okay. Mm-hmm. It's worked for many, for a century, but I don't feel like it's working as well as it could, because in some areas we want the kids to be more exposed to certain things in other areas, not so much, right? Because it may not add any value. So for for example, today, our lesson of the morning, the first lesson was discussing September 11th, which is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we took time to explain to the kids, you know, why that happened, um, why the Taliban and why bin Laden, you know, attacked America, because in his own words, it was because America, you know, is a friend of Israel and and among other things. But that was like the number one thing. And then we can kind of track back to why. Why is that an issue? And we we create this curriculum that is just and then we ask them open ended questions. How do you feel about that? You know, tell, tell us what you learned. What was your takeaway? How did it make you feel? You know, they're not going to be able to get that in a classroom, right? Because obviously you've got more kids. So I feel like the level of attention and education that they get is so much more customized and, and um, beneficial for them 
because it's a mm -hmm. lot of work for us, right, to, to do that. Um, so that's what I think they get, a more global, universal, next level education. And, and I will say this, just like I mentioned before, if we thought that we couldn't do better than they would get out there, then we, we said to ourselves, we will have to come to that. Uh, if we come to that point, then we have to say, let's send them back to school because clearly we're not doing a good job. But it, we're not there. We actually they're thriving. You know, I mean, most of our kids, they're reading, you know, a book uh, every other day, you know. Mm. Um, and so they're big readers. We love math. We, we went on this RV trip, real quick story. We went on this RV trip to New York and back in DC that over the summer. And I saved all my receipts, every single receipt for gas, for food, you name it. Right. But, uh, but we were in the RV. So obviously there was no lodging. And, uh, when we came back, I said, Hey, listen, one of your first projects for this year, for my, my sixth grader, Luca, one of your first projects is going to be to, you know, go through the receipts, categorize them, you know, gasoline, mm. food, whatnot. And just, <laughs> I mean, that's a cool project, right? And then he can tell stories through those receipts. And I said, now I'd, I'd like you to incorporate some technology. So let's write a blog post. What's a blog post? Okay. This is a blog post. So it, it's like almost like a tree with branches, right? I can take one small topic, like an, a, like a, RV trip and turn it into multiple life lessons, both, both academic, but also incorporating some soft skills, right? In the education world, they usually use the term holistic learning for that sort of thing, you know, blending multiple disciplines. But, but I think the piece that you're, you're uh, bringing in is, is there's a, there's a practical real world application, mm -hmm. right? Um, which, which I'm not saying they can't teach it at school. And in some cases they may, but probably not for a six or nine-year-old, mm -hmm. right? Or even an 11-year-old to give them that kind of responsibility. Um, would, would you say that uh, the longer you homeschool, it gets easier or more challenging or is it just day by day? No, definitely. It's, it's getting more challenging for sure. Because wow. yes. the kids are getting older or just... Because the subject matters it gets um, more complicated. get more, it gets more complicated, right? <laughs> so I do, I do math and history um, okay. or math and geography for the little ones. And my wife does language arts and science. And then on Fridays, uh, so they do Monday through Monday through Thursday. And then on Fridays, we do all the extracurriculars like, you know, art and journaling and field trips and whatnot. But Monday through Thursday, we're doing the academic, right? And we're blending multiple platforms. Florida, we're lucky that we have this flex um, curriculum through the state and mm -hmm. it's a free platform. And we've tried all the paid platforms. I mean, literally we've tried so many. And um, what we like is this hybrid where we, for some math, we might use Khan Academy, but for other parts of the math, we might use Florida Flex, the FLVS here in Florida. Um, but um, yeah, I think it gets harder, Stephen. I mean, it gets harder, but here's the, here's the deal. I think what we do for the kids is lead by example because they see we're, we're frustrated at times, not with them, with ourselves, like going, oh my God, I'm running million dollar business here. Why can't I get through this simple, you know, algebraic expression? What the heck, man? <laughs> and, and it just shows you. But <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what it's done for me, Stephen. What it's done for me is another level of appreciation for our educators, you know, because it's a lot of work. And I, I can't imagine being, well, I can't imagine because I've taught college courses, but I can't imagine being in a room with 
30, 40, 50 kids. And it's very hard because you want to reach everyone, but some mm -hmm. of them will let you down and you're going to feel like a failure. But in this case, it's much smaller. Um, but I just say doing it day in and day out is, is, is just a lot, you know, for anybody. Well, yeah, again, it's a lot of topics, but the look, education is a challenging profession because you got so many individual needs and individual uh, strengths and weaknesses and try to address that in a heterogeneous classroom has been a challenge for hundreds and hundreds of years. One of the things you might find, I, some of the families I work with to homeschool who have, your kids are roughly two or three years apart. Um, you reach a point, so let's say when the 11 year old's 14, Mm -hmm. maybe they can almost teach the then 12 year old, maybe some of the math. And you, what you start to do is you make that part of their opportunity. I love that. You know, like, Hey, look, uh, you know, which math time, you know, last year you were learning whatever orders of operations and math, whatever. And now it's time for your sister to learn it or your brother to learn it, whatever. I'd like to bring you in to help with the instruction and sure. the kids universally usually really like that. Yeah, it's a break from them learning. They makes them feel a little bit more important. And then in in sequence, the middle one, well, or in your case, the nine, now nine year old can teach the six year old whatever they're at, because yeah. they're trailing in what they did. Because you can some of the stuff is grade specific, and some of it is is universal. Right, you can do some things with all of them together, and some not. Um, one of the challenges I hear from people about homeschooling is getting them involved in other things. You know, I, I, I'm not going to debate whether homeschool kids are less socialized than non-homeschool kids. That's a that's a big debate. We're not going to get into. But what do you try to do? Um, and obviously, you have the RVing and the traveling, which is within your family. But are there other things that you're doing with your kids? Uh, art, school, I mean, things in the community to get them uh, involved in other activities as well? Yeah, well, prior prior to COVID, absolutely. I mean, we did a homeschool yeah, well, group that that um, they used to go do art, science, and a bunch of other cool stuff um, like STEM and um, PE, and they used to do soccer and karate and dance and a bunch so of all cool the stuff, stuff. All the stuff typical kids are doing. Yeah, typical kids, and they made friends that way. But yeah, absolutely. Since um, February of 2020, right. zero none of that anymore. So for us, what we've done is um, we've, we've made sure that a certain set of friends who take the same safety precautions as we do during COVID mm -hmm. uh, we get together. So last weekend I was down there in Florida with a childhood friend of mine, Al, who he's got two kids and we were at my mom's all weekend and the kids, you know, they're the same age. So they spent literally, you know, like 13 hours together and, and had a great time at the pool. So there's a ton of socialization, but I would say if you spend any time with, with my four kids, you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, one minute to talk because there's such social butterflies. <laughs> and, and I, I'm not, you know, it, like you said, you can't, you can't debate that because some of it is nature. Some of it is nurturing right, from the right. parents. We talk a lot. We're big talkers, you know, my mom. So, you know, so she came from a family of, 13 brothers and sisters. I have 34 first cousins just on her side. And really, when we had the family get together a few years back, <laughs> yeah, yeah we a convention center to help. To well, that. there was like 90 of us and, <laughs> That's when, what and, I'm and nine, 90 people that are, these were just the, the immediate, right. And you can't get two words in because they're all talkers. So maybe it's in my family, but um, yeah, sure. I, I do see like in certain homeschool circles, kids that are a little bit quieter, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I, and I, 
again, not a, a, a child psychologist or anything like that, but I, I would say that there are things that we've done to minimize that. For example, you know, no, no TVs in their room, right? No uh, little to no video gaming. That, and mm-hmm. again, I'm not here to debate whether it's right or wrong for anybody. No, kids but that's either. the way you choose to raise your That's kid. the way I, I choose to raise my kids, yeah, correct. Right, which is and, great. And they get maybe, maybe an hour of, of you know, shows on either Disney or PBS shows that we approve, you know, and mm-hmm. it's in the living room and we're watching it with them, right? I can work at the kitchen table and watch what they're doing. So they're not like the, you know, these kids who are like sitting in their room, do you know, kind of in the dark, on the, on the web, which is absolutely the worst place you can send the kid, right? Um, on their own at any age, okay, any age. And so I think there are things that you can do to promote that socialization, definitely. Let me bring up one thing because um, we're, we're obviously two guys here talking, but what I, what's interesting, I'm going to say 80% of the time, maybe even 90 when I talk to a family about homeschooling, it's the mother who's driving the homeschooling. Mm. Now, maybe just be, his, you know, historically, I mean, obviously many women work and, and obviously in our society. Um, but but in, in the more traditional sense, quote unquote, and I'm talking like the 50s, like Ozzy and Harriet traditional, <laughs> um, you know, the dad would go out to work at the office mm. and then the mom would stay home and be a homemaker, which I'm not even sure if that's a politically correct term anymore. <laughs> Probably is. I, mean, I don't think it is. it's not. Is it offending you? Hopefully, it doesn't not. offend me at all. Right, no. Thank you. So, so no. to hear a, a father, an adult male, who's who's obviously very invested and very involved in not just the planning but also the implementation of homeschooling, I think is a really positive thing. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad thing that men generally aren't aren't. It just seems to be how it plays out, at least in the experience that I've had. Um, so I, I'm. I'm just wondering if, if you, if what you would say maybe to a family who's thinking they're on the fence, you know, should we homeschool? Should we not homeschool? You know, the safety issues, the COVID issues, the political issues, the religious issues, a million reasons people homeschool, educational issues, you name it. But yes, um, if, if they were coming to you and said, Alex, give me one really good reason why I should do this. I, I'm on the fence. Should I do it? Not do it. Do it. Not do it. You have to, you know, devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder. Um, what would you say that your biggest positive takeaway from this whole experience is so far? Yeah, my biggest positive, I would say, has been watching them become their own people uh, in a much stronger way. What do I mean by that? You know, it's just the leadership qualities that you want kids to learn as they kind of go through the world. And once they go spread their wings, these are the things that are going to help them the most. And what happens in, in traditional school today is that, you know, again, it it just is what it is. They spend so much time doing things that are not that important. Right. Um, for, for example, you know, waiting to raise their hands and, and, Mm -hmm. and because the classrooms are so big and I get it, that's just the system. There isn't enough money in the world or a government that can, you know, spend enough to, to be able to customize that education. So again, it's not for everyone, but I feel like what they've gotten was this sort of like opportunity to dance to their own beat. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel like doing math this morning, because you woke up and it's just not clicking. Fantastic. Let's change gears. Can't do that in traditional school. You just can't. No, you're just, you can't. You're, you're just going to struggle through it. And that's mm-hmm. okay. I think there's value in struggling. Trust me. Sometimes we push ourselves and them through the struggle. 
but you don't have to do it to the point that it, it, it becomes, oh, I hate math or I hate science or whatever, right? Because it's this box. And mm-hmm. so um, it's, like, it's like with the marketing. Let me give you an example uh-huh. to, to my clients. Any small, anybody who's got a small business or has worked in marketing or sales department in a large company know, know this, that there is no two marketing and sales strategies that are alike. There's no one size fits all. Like if, if I'm, if I'm Nike, I'm the head of marketing at Nike. I can't go, you know what? Let's copy, you know, uh, the, the new balance marketing tactic. They're, they're advertising their commercial, their call to action, the brand, like all of them. trying to knock off their competition. And, and even though they're targeting the same people, they need sneakers. Mm-hmm. They want to sell sneakers, but they can't have the same strategy. Because their brand is unique, their product's unique. Mm. And it's a lot the same with the kids. And I explain that to them because that's what I do for a living. So when a client comes to me and says, well, uh, let's say I'm a law firm and I want to get more clients. I, I don't give them uh, you know, a cheat sheet from the last client. Here's what I'm going to do for you. No, I have to find out like what, what your business is about, who mm. your clients, and then mm. customize it for you. And when you customize it, in my experience, when I customize a marketing and sales strategy, it works. And when you try to just replicate and, and do this one size fits all, it never works. So the education, I feel, is a lot the same way. There is no two weeks in our household that's going to be the same. And I think that that's what keeps it really interesting for them. Mm. My guest is Alex Oliveira. And uh, we are talking homeschooling. We're going to start talking a bit more business. I'm Steve Green. This is the Make the Grade podcast. Mission is simple like to provide you with action strategies, plans to accelerate your success. We've talked a lot about homeschooling and we could probably talk about it a lot more, but I want to get into your business and your entrepreneurial piece a little bit. Um, so let, let just, uh, did you, what's, what's the name of your business? Like Olivera marketing. Is it, is it fancier than that? No. Yeah. It's super fancy. Predict. It's at P R E D I Q like predictive marketing. Oh, but, like yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so who, who uh, tell, let's, whoa, whoa, let's, uh, let's keep it simple. Uh, What's your basic deliverable? Set up marketing plans? The, it's really- Marketing strategist? Yes, it, it's creating a path to success for businesses and, and, and creating a plan that can help them grow their business. And it rarely is the same for everyone. And then your audience is entrepreneurs, small businesses, large businesses, all of them? Any, any business who has a, a sales person, doesn't have to be a sales team, but you have to have a salesperson. And, and the reason why is because many small businesses, they try to wear all hats. Um, and in my experience, most people are not that good in sales, um, typically because they hate it. <laughs> so they're like, I'm not going to the easiest job. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cold call. I'm not going to put information and follow up and nurture. So most business owners shouldn't be doing their own sales if they're not great at it, if they don't love selling their product. Uh, and on occasion, I get a business owner who is, is not by the book at all a salesperson, but they're awesome at it because they love their product. They love what they do and they love taking care of their customers. So for me, it, it, it could be a small one person company. It could be a fortune 500. If you have a salesperson or a sales team that needs leads, meaning the phone's got to be ringing so that you can sell your product or service. I can help you. So you're in, you're helping with inbound. That's it. Inbound leads, get the phone. Do you have ringing. a, um, 
I, I mean, without betraying any confidence, is there like a case study where you took, you know, like a company and now they're selling seventy million dollars worth of product? Or yeah, sure. Uh, I'll, know, I'll, I'll give give us an example. You know, uh, sell your, you know, toot your own horn a little bit. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, the the usually in marketing with agencies, the the case studies that we do are long after the client is gone because the mm-hmm. client never wants you to give their successful story up front, right? Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, I'll, right. I'll give you. A, so it would be company X was selling a widget. That's right. No, but I, but I'll tell you, um, Ford. We worked with okay. Ford for two thousand. Ford the car company, right? Ford the car company, okay. motor so company. I think most people have probably heard of them. That's right. And you know, why does Ford need Alex or Predict? At that time, I had about forty employees. Uh, two thousand fourteen okay. to nice. two thousand sixteen, they were a client for two years. And uh, why do they need me? They've got you know hundreds of really smart people in their marketing department. They have all these other marketing and ad agencies. But that's what big companies do. They don't stop where, where it's, you know, they're selling X number of cars. They always want to continuously grow. So they never stop advertising. Mm. There is no, there's no good or bad time for advertising. It's always a good time to advertise and promote your business, mm-hmm. right? And so they understood that. But a, a good case study for them was that, um, in that in the period of time that we worked with them, we could tie together the number of people that came to the website that we promoted through ads, through search engine optimization, social media, mm-hmm. and whatnot. The number of people that clicked on the offer to the number of people that called the sales, uh, the, the dealership for sales mm-hmm. to the number of vehicles that were sold, right? Mm. So you and had they, some serious metrics. Serious metrics. And, they, and, and by the way, and they have it down to the cost per sale of the car. So they'll say like, look, and this is, goes across for insurance and for every other vertical and industry. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, to acquire a new customer, I can't spend more than X. So in the auto industry at that time, it was $800. So it was like, even if the clicks cost $10 or 20 and the leads cost 50, right. what they know is for every car that sells, they cannot spend more than $800 to acquire a new customer. And that was for like an average car, $22,000, $23,000. So there's, there's a lot of science behind there that sometimes business owners don't focus on, well, if I spend X in marketing, what's the ROI? Well, you have to understand mm-hmm. your profitability first, right? Well, so I, I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs and the successful ones are by and large, are, don't even, they, they, they understand you have to take risks. Some of the risks are financial. Some of the risks might be personal. Some of the risks might be professional, whatever, but th- th- you got to put it out there. If you don't try it, it, it won't work. It's like, whatever, you, don't, you never make a shot. You don't take, I forget the exact quote. Right. Um, by the way, I think somebody told me, I, I, I saw somewhere the world's most recognizable brands. I think four was eighth or ninth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of cars in, in South America. It, yeah. They sell a lot of cars in South. I mean, so, everywhere, you know, Yeah, they do a lot of places, but those places you wouldn't think you would see a Ford driving down mm-hmm. the street, you know, like, like I was in the Caribbean. I was in, I think in Jamaican, like the taxi was a Ford Taurus. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like I, like I, like I, I know this car, I could probably going to work <laughs> as opposed to some of the cars they got in places like that. But um, let, let me see if we can bring all this together. Cause you have two, not really separate skills, but things I don't think people would always necessarily associate together. You're running a successful business, you know, lots of employees working with some big multinational companies. And I'm sure you got plenty of other clients. And you're also kind of a stay-at-home dad, spend a lot of quality time with your kids, right? 
That's right. And eventually, they're, look, they're going to age out. Eventually, they're going to get older. And I don't want to teach me. I mean, believe me, that happens. I got older kids. Let me give you a little spoiler alert here. They may not always, always want to work with you. But probably not, because you seem like you're in touch with it and you're sensitive to it. So that's to your credit. But um, how do you bring it all together? How do, you, how do you manage your day? Do you block it out? Six o'clock to eight, you're doing one thing. Eight to 10, you're doing something else. Can you share that with the, with the listeners here? Yeah, sure. Oh man. Being organized is super. I mean, for me, it's like, I've always been that way, but one thing that I stopped doing when COVID hit for the first time in 20 plus years, I stopped using my planner and it was hard. I mean, stopping using my planner that had my quarterly goals, my yearly appointment. I mean, everything was in my planner. Right. And I said, forget it. I could see this is going to be rough, rough going. It was. And so the, that was the best thing I did because it was not only good for the kids, the family, but also for my clients, my employees. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to work my ass off and take care of things as they come, just prioritizing them. So wake up in the morning, 530, you know, do my exercise, whatever, my meditation, read my my book or paper. I still like to read yeah, newspaper. Yourself, uh, your, your me time. As they that's right. My me. That's right. Me my me time <laughs> and some good music, get, get everything okay. pumping. And then go right into work. So I usually go into work here in my office at home um, mm-hmm. from 6.30ish to about nine. Then by mm-hmm. nine o'clock, my wife's, you know, giving the kids breakfast. I try to eat breakfast with them every day, lunch mm-hmm. and dinner. But on occasion, I can't do any of those. Oh, dinner always, but sometimes not breakfast and lunch. Okay. And they understand. And then uh, nine o'clock to about 11.30 for like two and a half hours, I'm in homeschool with them upstairs. So I'm there for two and a half hours. I don't take mm-hmm. client calls. I don't, I don't do anything at that point. And I have a staff for all of that. So it's not like my clients are being um, ignored, right? Or my employees. And that's it. 1130, I come back in here and then I pull the, the rest of the day, you know, all the way till four or five o'clock. And then at around four or five o'clock, stop. I've worked, talked to employees, clients. Uh, I've done a bunch of work. And, um, and then after that, it's, Hey, let's go out. Let's go explore, go for a bike ride, go play some basketball, play some soccer, come back, do the dinner thing, put the kids to bed and, uh, start over, you know, that's a pretty full day, right? It's, it's a full day, you know, and I try to fit things in there, uh, Steven, that most people don't, would not value. Like for example, mowing my own lawn, you know, I say, why are you going to mow your lawn? What's the matter with you? You know? And I used to pay a guy to I do enjoy it, right? That. I'm the only person in my neighborhood that mows my own lawn. Yeah. I, now, I, I'm, in fairness, I got a riding mower. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I got a pretty big lot. But but I live in a neighborhood where everybody else has a lawn service. Right. So everybody. we have we have that in common. Everyone yeah. here does too. And I said, I just love the smell of the grass. And knew, for I knew, me- I knew there's a reason why I like this guy. I knew there's a reason I, I like this guy. But but you know- And, you and, and we, didn't, we didn't talk about lawn mowing before. That, that just we, spontaneously came up. It totally did. But you know, like you put on, you put on that music and you (laughs) just get sweaty and you smell that grass. I love it, man. So I I try to tell other entrepreneurs and other leaders that look, what you value is going to be different than what I value, you know? So find, find the things that move you. And I'm not kidding. I look forward to the days that I'm mowing the lawn. It's almost, it has almost a, uh, not as, it almost has a meditative kind of feel to it. It, it takes yes, me about it an hour to mow my lawn. Me too. Right. To do it right. Sometimes I'll rush. What I don't like, I don't like edging. And I have two of them. I have two. I hate edges. edging. I don't like it either. I always, I, some, like the cord breaks off and I, 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 I try tapping it on the ground and it doesn't come out. I got to take it apart. 
That part of them. So that part doesn't look as good as my neighbors. I'll, I'll grant them that. But um, listen, we could go on forever because I find you very, very interesting. You, you've you're leading a, a great life. You know, you, get you to spend quality time with your kids. You know, bless you for that. You, you've got a, what appears to be a successful business. Um, we, we, flash forward, I don't know, three, five, eight years. You think you'd be doing the same thing? I mean, eventually your kids are going to age out. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, do you see anything really changing much over the next five, six years, or at least till your maybe no. youngest one is old enough to? No, no, because I'll say this, Stephen, I we've worked so hard to get here. You know, I, I think back to my family, them coming as immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and giving us the opportunities that we've been, you know, given. And of course, there's so many people that have played a part into my success and my wife's success as well. Like, of course, our parents and friends and siblings and just so many people that I can think. But it, it's gotten us to the point where we have the the level of control in our lives that make us allow us to do the things that really are meaningful to us whether it's for example earlier today we were choosing i'm going to go to denver tomorrow to a conference for three or four days i'll be back tuesday and as soon as i come back we'll do three more days of homeschool so i'll miss monday and um the next weekend we're going to go away to an rv trip uh this beachside um resort place for like, I don't know, four or five days. Right. And Mm -hmm. so in the middle of the school year, you know, and so we'll, we, this week we worked really hard with the kids and went ahead a little bit in the curriculum to make that I I go to Denver. And when I come back, we'll have like three days and then, and then we'll take off. And so I can't imagine why I would want to change. I I feel like the luckiest person ever, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. God bless. We have our health. And, and, um, we, we don't have full control of that always, obviously, um, financially I've made a lot of mistakes in my first 10, 12 years as an entrepreneur. So for the last 10, I haven't made as many mistakes. And so it's gotten us <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, making the right <laughs> no, investments. I know what you're saying. I, I, I know a, what you're saying. I was a big risk taker. I would invest, you know, 50, hundred thousand dollars in a startup without even really doing my due diligence back mm. in, you know, prior to 2010 in, in the, uh, when we had the financial meltdown in 08, mm. I was overextended. I was overextended. Mm. And I was, and of course, as I had kids and they grew, I said, I can't take those kinds of risks. So I, I definitely have changed like a lot of the flaws that I had as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business person and, um, improve them, um, by coaching, getting coaching. I've had a lot of coaches, a lot of mentors, tons of people that have helped me. And um, yeah, so I'm at a place where if I fast forward and five years from now or 10, I'm doing the same thing, man, that that's fantastic. You know, it's just different chapters, different experiences, you know? Well, yeah, but listen, you got a great attitude, I think anyway. So I, I commend you for that. Um, listen, we've covered a lot today. Let's see if I can kind of get some bullet points here. So you chose to homeschool for your own reasons. Uh, it's been a very positive experience. You feel the kids are learning. They seem to be happy. Uh, you've got some uh, entrepreneurial things going on that are really good. You've blended that really nicely. Um, everything, life is good in on the Palm Coast or the Space Coast. The Space Coast, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you one last thing. Uh, do you have anything, you know, to people listening, you want to plug? Do you have a website? Do you have a... Anything, you know, anything you're doing business-wise you want to 
uh, let people make people aware of or anything no, like that? Well, you know, I, I've got this, um, like you, a podcast called the Dadpreneur Podcast. You know, so, it's the Dadpreneur Podcast. So Dadpreneur go, podcast. yeah, go check it out. I've got everything from marketing to family to things. The one thing that I've been covering a lot lately, because I've gotten a chance to speak at high school, middle schools, elementary schools about uh, cybersecurity and safety, because I do mm. a lot. Yeah. And so my... My advice to all the parents out there who have a, you know, have a, their kids with one of these, a smartphone um, or access to the internet, understand that the internet, it's like that my analogy, it, it came to me the other day, Stephen, when I was actually writing an article, the analogy is this back in the late eighties, I remember going to the video store with my parents and I remember the low, not blockbuster, the local ones. I remember the back would have a little section that was closed off and it said must be 18 to enter. Of course, those were, that was all the porn, right? Well, so I wasn't going to say that, but I think yeah. I knew that, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Adult. It so, was the adult. But video. as an 11 year old kid, I used to walk by and go, Oh, cause oh you see a sign that says you can't go in. What's the first thing you want to do? I want to do it. Right. Exactly. And I, and I, and I never, <laughs> and I never got a chance to do it. Right. And mm-hmm. I never got a chance to do it. And even if, you know, some teenage kid maybe was able to go back there. They're not playing the movie. The content is there. You'd still have to check it out, take it home. Okay. Fast forward to 2021. Uh, pretty much anybody's kids can yeah. go in that back and play mm-hmm. the content right here. And, and I'm just giving an example of porn, but it's not just porn. Well, it's no, every, can, yeah, it's I mean, everything that, else. It's not that that's a good thing. I'm just saying compared to what could happen out there. Cyber predators, yeah. it's phishing, online scams, cyber bowling, chat room. I mean, like, fake content, inaccurate content. Who mm. is educating your kids? The internet? Because if it's the internet who's educating your kids, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your kid's mm. not going to be like, it's not going to benefit them. So this mm. portal called the internet and this device called the smartphone or computer is very, very dangerous. If, the, if parents don't know how the technology works or how to put in place things like a VPN, a VPN, which then doesn't track your IP address, right? Simple app costs like $10 a year, gives you one extra layer of security. And don't confuse security with privacy. Security is one thing. Privacy is another, you know, Facebook and Google are happy to give you all the security in the world. But then they say your privacy. Oh, thanks for all your information. Now we're going to go monetize it. So my, my, my advice to parents is be very careful with this portal called the internet. And by the way, it's the portal that I make my money with. That's how I make money with digital marketing, lead gen. But Mm. I will be the first one to tell you that these companies need to make the internet more private, more secure for especially parents. But then it's the responsibility of parents to understand that this thing called a smartphone is probably more powerful than a car, than uh, any weapon that your kid might come into contact Mm. with. I mean, honestly, you just... Just be very careful. So that's the thing that I've been talking about a lot because I've been talking about it for years and I, I'm always hearing of the pro- these- you know what the trouble with it is. And actually, I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to mention this now, but we'll talk about it more. I'm actually putting together and, and I'm going to maybe uh, go out on a limb here and invite you to maybe be one of my panelists on this. A, a, I'm calling it an Internet safety forum. Nice. Because I work with, you know, I'm in the education world. I work with a lot of parents and they, they're like, yeah, whatever. My kids got a phone, whatever they need it. But you brought up some points that are obviously true, but it's like, unless until it happens to them or their kids or their kids' friends, everybody doesn't want to know. It's 
a horrible analogy, but it's almost like the school shooting thing, right? It absolutely. If it's somewhere else, it's a terrible thing, but it doesn't impact you directly, right? And maybe that's a terrible metaphor, but but when it hits home, it's it's life changing. Right. right. Well, and, you and, well, well, you don't even know. But this, here's the thing, right, Stephen? There's two categories. There are the things that happen to you directly, like cyberbullying. That mm-hmm. it's it's like you feel it. You're like, okay, I, I experienced it. And the parent experiences. Then there's all the other stuff that happens that you don't even know it's happened. Yeah. It's happening. That's it's the, the problem. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, using, I, I got uh, I got. Two, two people have agreed to do it. You'd be a perfect. I was looking for one more and this might be a, a really perfect thing. We're going to wrap this up. What do you think <laughs> of Alex here? What do you think? Hang on. <laughs> That's the studio audience responding. They, they, they All right. Like they are liking it. So um, I don't know if you're looking for guests on the Dadpreneur podcast, but I might know somebody that might be very interested in being on it. Oh, oh my God, his phone is killing me. See the phone. Um, Steve Green here, wrapping up this week's edition of the Make the Ray podcast. Our mission is always the same, give you action to get you further on your way to your success. Hopefully you learned a lot today about homeschooling or the possibility of homeschooling and the, some of the real potential of it. Get a little business advice. You got a guy who's wearing a couple hats, but blending them really beautifully. I applaud you for that, Alex. I appreciate you coming Thank on you. again. There's a lot more we could talk about because obviously you're getting passionate about this stuff. And I love to see that when I talk to people, the dadpreneur podcast, we'll put the link to that in the show notes. If you're a fan of the make the great podcast, I got to think the dadpreneur one is probably right in your wheelhouse as well. And it's, it's an internet safe, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. No issues there. Anybody can listen to it. So um, <laughs> that's really good. Hey, we got uh, a lot. I have five interviews coming up in the next two weeks kind of all across a very eclectic blend of uh, guests. So stay tuned for that. If you're a subscriber, thank you. I really appreciate it. We're coming up on 2000 subscribers. I don't know how to do this. I got to find somebody who really knows about podcast. If I can figure out who the 2000 subscriber is, I'm going to send them a prize. I'm going to send them a make the grade t-shirt, which is only worth like $6, but, <laughs> but in, in reality of hard money, but yeah. they don't, there's only a limited supply of them. So really they're worth about 5,000 bucks. It's like Bitcoin. <laughs> exactly. There's always so much of it, right? There's a finite supply. So the demand is going up, 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 which drives the price up. If you ever took macroeconomics, whatever. Um, yeah. So if you are the 2000 subscriber and I got to figure out a way to do it, figure out who that is, you're going to get a limited edition. Make the great t-shirt. And maybe even a make the great headband. I'm thinking about doing them because kids say they want them. Yeah. Cool little headbands. Um, last time, Alex, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I hope people learned this. Get in touch with Alex if you need help with any of these things or you want counsel. Certainly listen to his podcast. Um, it's got some great value in there as well. We will get you with the next time. And Steve Green signing off here. <laughs>